All right, before I get into the word this morning, anybody tell me what's happening here in two weeks' time? (laughs) If you're not sure, then you sat on the invitation. (laughs) There's an invitation on every seat. In just two weeks' time, we are celebrating the 90th anniversary of Faith Tabernacle Pentecostal Church in Halifax. It is so exciting. So you'll see more information um, on that invitation there that you can use. Also, um, when Heather brings the, the announcements later in the service, she's got lots of details about that as well to fill you in. One of the things, though, is that this coming week, starting tomorrow till Friday, we are going to lean in in prayer for that weekend. And... Um, I've got a little prayer challenge card. You'll actually, there's a few of those still at uh, Faith Next if you want to pick one up. And it just says, what will you commit to pray this week? Or will you commit to pray this week? Um, And there's three different ways that you can participate in this. You can choose to pray for 10 minutes of prayer every day at noon. Also here, the main auditorium every day, Monday through Friday, is going to be open from 11.30 until 1, so 11.30 a.m. till 1 p.m. And uh, if you want to come in and pray, you don't have to come to the church to pray, but uh, there's just something special about being here. I know sometimes when I'm praying during the week, I'll just come in and walk up and down the aisles and pray for each one of you in the seats that you're sitting in. on all that. So you can come and pray here. And then also this Tuesday night, 7 p.m., we are going to gather together as the body for corporate prayer. So if you can make it out here, right here in the main auditorium, this Tuesday, September 24th, 7 p.m. And uh, yeah, if you're interested in having a card to put on your fridge, just to remind you, you can pick that up at Faith Next. Because we need God to cover this, because it's not just an anniversary party. This is, we're reaching our city that weekend. It's, uh, it's not just all about us. So you'll hear more about that coming in the service. All right. Are you ready? Two people are ready. And me. Thanks, three. And the Holy Spirit, we're good. All right. Over the past few weeks, we have been spending time in the book of Romans. Many are familiar with the saying, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. But as we study, we've been rewording that according to scripture and looking at the book of Romans and, uh, and applying it to today. When in Halifax, we've looked at when in Rome, do as Paul would do. Paul is the writer of the book of Romans and he's teaching in there. When in Rome, know that you are dearly loved. Know the power of encouragement and that the gospel is the answer. When in Rome, recognize that everyone needs a savior. Respond to God's kindness to you with God's kindness to others. And then last week, Glenn spoke on when in Rome, live for Christ. And today I want to keep on going in the book of Romans, and we're going to finish out chapter 8. I know, I feel like we've been in this series for a few weeks now. We've only made it to chapter 8. We might not go through the whole book, but continue to keep reading it uh, as we go through this series. So we're going to look at Romans chapter 8. Now, I would describe myself as an introvert. And, and I married a man who is also mostly an introvert. We all know the ideas of introverts and extroverts. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I'm in a stereotype, but introverts or extroverts, sorry, are often outgoing. They love to be in a social atmosphere and be surrounded by people. They get energy from being around others, recharged by that. Introverts are often a bit quieter get recharged by alone time, avoid or, or want to avoid large social settings. And yes, I'm, ga- I'm, I'm stereotyping. I think I'm kind of an extroverted introvert. 
because some people, some people would think she's not very much of an introvert. I can be extroverted, but on the whole, I think I'm more of an introvert. Often if I'm in a large social setting, I need some alone time afterwards, either alone or, or just us four, our family, together. The funny thing is, is that church to me is not, um, not something that is draining as an introvert. I suppose the difference is that I don't see this as a social event. This is us as family. When family gets together and we encourage each other, we're joined together for a cause. And I know without a shadow of a doubt that I'm called to be here and to serve you. But whether we're introverts or extroverts, or a mix somewhere in the middle of those two, for those of us as believers of Jesus Christ, as we go about our daily lives, in our classes, our workplaces, on the streets of our city, I believe that each one of us, even though surrounded by people on every side, most of the time, at some point has felt alone. So when, especially so when we find ourselves as the only Christian, maybe in class or in your workplace or at home. And sometimes do as the Romans do is hard to resist when you find that you might be the only one there trying to do it by the book, so to speak. When we're walking as believers outside of the gathering here that we call church, when we are the church in our world, it's often easy to feel like we're so completely alone in our beliefs, our standards, our morals, even our efforts to share the good news of the gospel. Even after I'd written this, Julie last night when she got off work late last night um, was telling me on the way home that, that she had a conversation with a coworker who was asking questions about, well, you're a Christian, aren't you? And, and you, you don't do this and you don't do that. And, and so she, Julie was just able to explain to her. But sometimes wherever you go, you feel like maybe you're the only one who knows Christ, the only one who is trying to live for him. I am so blessed in my workplace. I genuinely care for all of my coworkers. They're a fantastic bunch of life-loving life people. They love life on a really big scale. I'm the only active Christian on staff at the clinic, and they all know that I'm a believer. They respect my beliefs. They care about me and my life outside of the workplace. In fact, they often ask about you. They're not even Christians. And they go, so how are the people in your church doing? How's that going? And... Uh, I know I'm blessed, and I know that not everybody faces that when they go to their workplace. Our street is the same way. Glenn especially has great relationship with a lot of the people on our street. As far as I know, we're the only evangelical Christians that live on our street. Um, but we've got great relationships. And there are different times when we gather together, be it a potluck uh, in somebody's garage or whether we all go out for dinner together, whatever it may be. They, they know what we stand for and they respect us for it. But we know that they don't hold the same values that we hold in that setting. And while we have respect in those circles, there have been times in our lives when people are not respectful of our beliefs. I'm sure some of you have encountered that as well, let alone open to us sharing the gospel with them. I know that some of you face situations that are not good, either in the classroom, in your job, sometimes even in your home, when you're living your life as a Christ follower, making decisions that are different than everyone else's, sometimes having to make a stand that goes against popular opinion, 
sometimes enduring hurtful words or attitudes, or even worse. Imagine first century Rome. So the church was in its early stages of establishment when Paul was writing to the believers in the city. It wasn't easy for them to come together openly. There was not a church on every street corner uh, that they could just walk into and know that they would be with family. One fam, yeah, that they, as a family, sorry. To worship God, to learn his word, to encourage each other. And I know that some of you in this place have even experienced this. That you haven't always lived here in Halifax where it's easy to just walk in and know that you are welcome. When in Rome, it would have been easy to feel alone and that the world was against you. And when in Halifax, it can sometimes still feel that way. So rather than when in Rome feel alone, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8 that when in Rome, God is with us and for us. Let's read Romans chapter 8. And I'm going to start at verse 26. It says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us as believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. What shall we say about such things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. Did you catch that? Verse 26 says, the Holy Spirit prays for us. Verse 27 said, the Holy Spirit pleads for us as believers. Verse 28, God causes all things to work together for our good. Now, not all things are good. Can I hear an amen? Not all things are good, but God can use all things and work together for our good. Verse 29 says, God has chosen you. 30 is full. He's called you. He's made you right with himself. He gives us his glory. Verse 31 says, God is for you. Verse 32, he gave his son for you. Verse 34 says, Christ the son died for you, was raised back to life for you, and is pleading for you. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, our God in his complete entirety is for for you. He's for us. He's for his children. 
He doesn't condemn us. And when we're in our schools or our workplaces or on our streets or even in our homes and it feels like you're being condemned for what you believe, know that when in Halifax, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is with you and for you. This does not give us permission to take our Bibles and go thumping all the people that don't believe and aren't open to the gospel. Let me just say that. But when you're walking in his ways, in his calling on your life, with his love flowing through you and his light shining from you, know that God is with you. You are not alone. I want to keep going in chapter 8. So let's pick back up again. Romans 8, starting at verse 35. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can somebody say amen? <laughs> amen. We have an indoor-outdoor cat. <laughs> she used to be just an indoor cat, but believe me, she was not nice to be around when she was just an indoor cat. She was a little bit hateful most of the time. Now that she's indoor-outdoor, she's very affectionate, very loving, very happy. Um, anyway, about two weeks ago, I realized on the Tuesday, like, hmm, I don't think I've seen the cat. So... <laughs> Messaged everybody. It's like, when was the last time anybody saw our cat? And we, we finally figured out, we knew, bless you. We knew that she'd been around Saturday night at supper time because Julie fed her from the table. <laughs> so we knew Saturday. Nobody was really quite sure whether they could say that they'd seen her on Sunday or not. And I knew I hadn't seen her on Monday. I knew she hadn't been in. And this was Tuesday. And I'm like, wait a minute. This is, this is getting just a little bit too long. So I thought, well, I'll give her one more night because she's usually out every night, comes back first thing in the morning. So the next morning, she still wasn't there. So I thought, okay, I better, I better do something. <laughs> I better try to find my cat. Uh, so I started posting on a couple of neighborhood Facebook groups that, that we have in the neighborhood. And lo and behold, there she was, um, as a lady a couple doors, or not a couple doors, a couple streets down, our backyard. Anyway, um, she had caught her in her outdoor trap thankfully kept her, and um, we're reunited. She's back home again. Now, while she was in the trap and subsequently locked in a stranger's bathroom, <laughs> waiting, waiting for me to realize that she wasn't with me anymore, um, I didn't stop loving my cat once I realized that she was gone. <laughs> in fact, once I realized she was gone, my love for her was heightened. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute, she was on my mind a lot. 
But she didn't know that. She had no idea that I still loved her. She had no idea that, that then I was missing her. She was out of the reach of my love. There wasn't anything that I could do to let her know that I still loved her. She was cut off from that love that Julie and I have for our cat. Glenn and Colin are not cat lovers, <laughs> but Julie and I are. And she was cut off from that. Not because our love didn't exist anymore, but because we're only human. And we can't be in all places at all times, unlike our God, who no matter where we go, we know that he is there, that there's no place on earth that we can be separated from his love. Have you ever felt like you're cut off from God's love? When things just go haywire and it seems like life is just trying to suck all the joy out of me and just surviving takes every drop of energy that I have. It can be hard not to trust the emotions that tell me that God and his love must be far off and inaccessible. Maybe a job gets stressful. Maybe your course load seems like it's too heavy to handle. A relationship breaks down. Coffee maker dies. Bus leaves the stop early. You step in dog that the owner didn't pick up. And that was all just Monday morning. <laughs> And we begin to think that somehow our present circumstances are enough to keep God at arm's length away from us. Or the mistakes that I've made have made me less desirable to God. But scripture teaches us here that when in Rome, when in Halifax, that is not the case. Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on back. Overwhelming victory through Christ. I want to highlight again Romans chapter 8, verse 37. And any of the girls who've come to um, our, our women's group Arise know that I love the Passion Translation uh, a relatively new translation of the Bible. The entire Bible even hasn't been finished yet, but they're releasing it book by book. Uh, and in the Passion Translation, I just love this, the way that it's worded. So verse 37. Yet even in the midst of all these things, the trouble, the calamity, the hunger, the danger, we triumph over them all. For God has made us to be more than conquerors. And his demonstrated love is our, our glorious victory over everything. Let me read that again. Yet even in the midst of all these things, trouble, calamity, hunger, danger, we triumph over them all. For God has made us to be more than conquerors. And his demonstrated love is our glorious victory over everything. God has made you more than a conqueror. Whether you feel like it or not, this is his word and this is truth. You are more than a conqueror. His demonstrated love him going to the cross and dying for us, raising again on the third day. His demonstrated love is our victory over everything. 
I believe that there are some here today that have been feeling like when you're trying to walk this walk of faith, trying to be a light in the dark world, and it feels like you are all alone fighting a losing battle. I want you to know that when in Halifax, when in your school, when in your workplace, when in your home, you do not need to do as the others do because our God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit is with you, is praying for you, interceding on our behalf. He wants to work all things, the good things, the hard things, the awful things together and somehow create the beautiful story of his love at work in your life and bring overwhelming victory. Can you stand with me today? I think there's some here in this place who've been walking this walk and fighting this fight. And you just need to lean into God's presence. Know that he is for you. He is with you. You are not doing this alone. It's one of the reasons why we come together as a church at 10.30 on a Sunday morning when some of us would really rather sleep in because we know that we're gonna come and be with family. But know that no matter where you go in this city, you are not alone. In your workplace, you are not alone. You might be tired of trying to, trying to be that light. Don't let your light be extinguished. God is with you. When you're walking the campuses at university, you are not alone. It might feel like it. It might feel like nobody else is making the same decisions as you and they don't understand why you're making those decisions. But you are not alone. Maybe right now, you're the only Christian in your home. Know that God is with you. God is for you. I believe there's probably some here today that that maybe have never known that, never heard that, never felt God's love in their life. You can be a part of the family of God and know that you will never be alone again. By just admitting that, that you believe in God, you believe in his son, that he died on the cross and that he rose again conquering death and hell. And when you admit that and you confess that and you say, Jesus, I'm gonna let you be my savior. I'm gonna let you be my Lord. I'm gonna let you come into my life. You'll never be alone again. We're gonna lean into some worship. We're gonna take a little bit extra time this morning and just worship God together. Just, if you're a believer, I want you to just lean into his presence. I want you to just soak in it. Know that he is with you. Just let him just soothe 
you. Let his, the oil of his presence, um, symbolic Christianese there, just, just soak in his presence. Um, yeah. And if you want to come forward for prayer, if maybe today you want to know his love and know that you'll never be alone again, our pastoral team will be up here. You can come for prayer. Let's lean into his presence. God is with you. He's for you. He loves you. Let's lean in. <laughs>